The Identification and Validation of Biomarkers for Diagnosing Alzheimer's Disease, ID, and other forms of dementia are increasingly important. To date, a LISA measurement of beta amyloid 142, total tau and phosphor tau 181N. Cerebrospinal fluid, CSF, is the most advanced and accepted method to diagnose probability with high specificity and sensitivity. However, it is a great challenge to search for novel biomarkers in CSF and blood by using modern potent methods, such as micro or arrays and mass spectrometry, and to optimize the handling of samples, collection, transport, processing, and storage, as well as the interpretation using bioinformatics. It seems likely that only a Combined analysis of several biomarkers will define a patient-specific signature to diagnose AD in the future. Clinicopathological studies suggest that Alzheimer's disease, ID, pathology begins to appear 10 to 20 years before. The resulting cognitive impairment draws medical attention. Biomarkers that can detect AD pathology in its early stages and predict dimension onset and Progression would, therefore, be invaluable for patient care and efficient clinical trial design. To discover such biomarkers, we measured AD associated changes in the cerebrospinal fluid, CSF, using an unbiased proteomics approach. Two dimensional difference gel electrophoresis with liquid chromatography, tandem mass spectrometry. From this, we identified 47 proteins that differed in abundance between cognitively normal, clinical dementia rating CDR0, and mildly demented, CDR1, subjects. To validate these findings, we measured a subset of the identified candidate biomarkers by enzyme-linked aminosal urban assay, ALISA. Promising candidates in this discovery cohort, N equals 47, were further evaluated by ALISA in a larger validation CSF cohort, N equals 292, that contained an additional very mildly demented, CDR 0.5, group. Levels of four novel biomarkers were significantly altered in AD, and receiver operating characteristic, ROC. Analyzes using a stepwise logistic regression model identified optimal panels containing these markers that distinguished CDR0 from CDR0, tau, YKL40, NCAM, and CDR1 from CDR1, tau, chromogranine, carnosinase I, plasma. 2. Levels of the most promising marker, YKL40, were also found to be increased in CDR0.5 and 1 groups and to correlate with CSF importantly, the CSFYKL40-A beta 42 ratio predicted risk of developing cognitive impairment, CDR0, to CDR0 conversion, as well as the best CSF biomarkers identified to date. Tau, a beta 42 and P tau 181-A beta 42. Additionally, YKL40 aminoa reactivity was observed with anastrocytes near a subset of amyloid plaques implicating YKL40 in the neuroinflammatory response to A-beta deposition. Utilizing an alternative, 
targeted proteomics approach to identify novel biomarkers. 333 CSF samples were evaluated for levels of 190 analytes using a multiplex luminex platform. The mean concentrations of 37 analytes were found to differ between CDR0 and CDR0 participants. Rock and statistical machine learning algorithms identified novel biomarker panels that improved upon the ability of the current best biomarkers to discriminate very mildly demented from cognitively normal participants and identified a novel biomarker calbine with significant prognostic potential alzheimer's disease id is a progressive neurodegenerative disorder estimated to affect 5.3 million americans although the course of ad can be Heterogeneous among individuals, there are many common symptoms. The initial symptom is often a problem remembering recently learned information, which is frequently mistaken or dismissed as a normal effect of aging. Disease progression is characterized by a gradual decline in memory, orientation, comprehension, and judgment, and in advanced stages, a loss of control over bodily functions. The mean life expectancy following diagnosis is approximately 5 years. For most individuals with late onset AD, symptoms first begin after age 65, however, the onset is generally gradual and insidious, leading to a delay between symptom onset and diagnosis of approximately 3 years. It has been reported that episodic memory deficits may be detectable by clinical testing up to six years before diagnosis. While the majority of AD cases are late onset, an estimated 200,000 Americans have early onset AD. When symptoms present before age 65, many of these cases are familial, FAD, caused by autosomal dominant mutations in one of three genes, amyloid, precursor protein, APP, gene on chromosome 21, Prezenilin 1, SIN 1, gene on chromosome 14, and Prezenilin 2, SIN 2, gene on chromosome 1. Studies of the proteins encoded by these genes has furthered our understanding of the molecular mechanisms contributing to AD. Of a hallmark neuropathological feature of AD is the accumulation of extracellular amyloid plaques consisting primarily of amyloid beta, a beta. A beta is a 3843 amino acid peptide that is generated by sequential cleavage of AP by beta secretase and gamma secretase, SIN1, and SIN2 encode components of the gamma secretase enzyme complex. SIN1 mutations account for the majority of fat cases, and most SIN1, SIN2, and AP mutations. Perspective are thought to affect AP processing such that A beta production, and specifically the more myeloidogenic form, a beta-42, is increased. Additionally, individuals with Down syndrome, trisomy 21, have three copies of AP, resulting in increased A-beta production and early-onset AD neuropathology. These findings, as well as evidence that A-beta is the primary component of plaques and that cerebrospinal fluid, CSF. A beta 42 levels are altered in AD. 
point to a critical role for A-beta in AD pathogenesis. The amyloid cascade hypothesis holds that increased A-beta production and accumulation, whether early in life from genetic causes or later in life in sporadic cases, leads to A-beta oligomerization, aggregation, and deposition in plaques, eventually resulting in synaptic and neuronal injury, glial activation, and ultimately dementia. This hypothesis has garnered much support, however, additional work is needed to fill in missing details and perceived weaknesses in the theory, in particular, improved understanding of the relationship between amyloid and neurofibrary tangle pathology and neurodegeneration and the identity of the specific A-beta species that drives neurotoxicity. For late-onset AD, the chromosome 19 gene encoding apolipoprotein-E, APOE, has been the most extensively investigated, and until recently the only consistently replicated, genetic risk factor for AD-APO has three isoforms, Epsilon 2, Epsilon 3, and Epsilon 4, that differ by cysteine arginine interchanges at position 112 and 158. The APO Epsilon 4 allele has been shown to be a risk factor for late onset familial and sporadic AD, as well as early onset sporadic cases. This risk is dose dependent, with homozygotes at increased risk of disease and demonstrating earlier age of onset than heterozygotes or those not carrying an epsilon 4 allele. Conversely, it appears that the epsilon 2 allele may have a protective effect against the development of late onset AD, and confer a reduced risk of cognitive decline among cognitively normal elderly. Furthermore, epsilon 2 carriers may have less amyloid and tangle pathology than non-carriers. Additionally, APO has been found to bind A-beta and to co-localize with cerebral amyloid deposits in AD and cerebral amyloid angiopathy, CAA. Although the APO-epsilon-4 allele is a well-validated risk factor for late-onset AD, there are likely other genetic or environmental factors involved in determining risk, as epsilon-4 is neither necessary nor sufficient for disease. Indeed, Recent genome-wide association studies utilizing many thousands of individuals have identified a protein J, CLU, and phosphated alinositol binding clathrin assembly protein, PICOM, as late-onset AD susceptibility loci. The mechanisms underlying these associations remain to be determined. In addition to amyloid plaques, a second neuropathological hallmark of AD is the accumulation of intracellular neurofibrary tangles composed primarily of hyperphosphorylated tau, p-tau. Abnormal tau deposition is seen in other conditions as well, including frontotemporal dementia, FTD, progressive supranuclear palsy, PSP, and corticobasal degeneration, CBD, and while no A-D-causing mutations have been identified in the tau gene, MAPT, Tau mutations have been linked with FDD with Parkinsonism, suggesting that tau dysfunction can cause neurodegeneration. The tau protein is known to bind and stabilize microtubules, and the abnormal phosphorylation of tau that occurs in AD is 
thought to lead to microtubule disassembly, disruption of intracellular trafficking, and ultimately neuronal dysfunction. Additionally, abnormal tau aggregates into insoluble paired helical filaments, PHFs, which are hypothesized to further compromise neuronal function by occluding axons and dendrites. Whether phosphorylation of tau drives PHF formation, by preventing tau binding to microtubules and thus increasing the availability of unbound tau to aggregate, or whether the converse is true, is unknown. Additionally, understanding of the regulation of tau phosphorylation is largely incomplete. Importantly, the mechanistic relationships between A beta, tau, and brain degeneration remain unclear. According to the amyloid cascade hypothesis, a beta is the primary driver of AD pathogenesis, with tau hyperphosphorylation and neurofibrary tangle formation downstream events. Unresolved details of the amyloid cascade hypothesis, along with the relatively disappointing results of clinical trials with amyloid reducing therapeutic agents, have, in part, lent support to A. Tau hypothesis of AD neurodegeneration. Additionally, proponents point to mutations in tau that can cause FTD with Parkinsonism, a demanding illness. Lacking amyloid pathology, as demonstrating that tau dysregulation alone is sufficient to cause neurodegenerative disease. Some in the field have proposed a dual pathway model postulating that A beta and tau pathologies are two. Distinct processes linked by a common upstream driver, rather than representing a linear cascade. What this upstream driver or the signaling pathways between amyloid and tau pathologies may be are unknown. A modified amyloid cascade hypothesis such that A beta accumulation initiates the disease process, but a secondary event, tau dysfunction, is necessary for subsequent. Neurodegeneration is also possible, and is supported by a number of animal studies of AD. The pattern and chronology of plaque and tangle formation have been well studied, and their associations with clinical symptoms have been investigated in an attempt to clarify these unresolved relationships. While various findings have strengthened one hypothesized model of AD, neurodegeneration or another, no model has yet been conclusively proven. For example, individuals with AP mutations eventually develop plaques and tangles, appearing to suggest that A beta dysregulation causes or leads to tangle formation. Studies by Bragg and Bragg have suggested that neurofibrary tangles, initially appearing in the limbic system and later spreading to the cortex, appear before plaques which first appear in the frontal cortex and later spread to other regions. However, subsequent clinicopathologic studies have strongly suggested that amyloid plaques, followed by neurofibrary tangles, begin to accumulate 10 to 15 years prior to cognitive decline, and that synaptic and neuronal loss best correlate with symptom onset. A number of Studies have shown that dementia severity better correlates with the number of neurofibrary tangles than the amount of plaque deposition, leading some to hypothesize that neurofibrary tangles are the key factor in the development of dementing symptoms. More recently, however, 
It has been suggested that neurofibrary tangles and amyloid plaques are not the neurotoxic agents, but rather the final pathological hallmarks of the disease. Instead, oligomers of a beta or tau forms intermediate between normally phosphorylated protein and hyperphosphorylated fibrils are thought to represent the neurotoxic species. It should also be noted that a deep pathophysiology does not consist solely of plaque and tangle formation, and that microglia and reactive astrocytes can be found surrounding plaques, implicating neuroinflammatory processes in the pathogenesis of AD as well. Whether neuroinflammation is a cause or result of AD is still a matter of debate. The interplay between amyloid, tau, and neurodegeneration is an area that clearly warrants further study, as the mechanisms of neurodegeneration in AD will have important consequences on the time course of biomarker changes that reflect these pathologies, as well as ultimately the choice of therapeutic targets. The need for biomarkers of AD reports that the number of AD deaths increased by 46% from 2000 to 2006, and that the number of affected is projected to nearly triple by 2050 have made the ability to accurately and reliably diagnose AD in its earliest stages a public health priority. Currently, the diagnosis of possible or probable AD is based on clinical assessment using the criteria of the National Institute of Neurological and Communicative Diseases, Stroke Alzheimer's Disease and Related Disorders Association, NMDZADERDA, and Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Middle Disorders, 4th ed, DSM-4TR, with definitive diagnosis only at autopsy, or rarely, by biopsy. Although the antemortem clinical diagnosis of AD is quite accurate in specialized centers, diagnostic accuracy is much lower in non-specialized settings, and, in particular, sensitivity at milder disease stages can be limited. Thus, measures to increase diagnostic sensitivity and specificity will be extremely important for improving early detection, and consequently early intervention. Biomarkers may be useful in this regard, facilitating a more accurate and earlier diagnosis, which is particularly difficult given that there are no signs or symptoms unique to AD. The Biomarkers Definitions Working Group of the National Institutes of Health defines a biomarker as a characteristic that is objectively measured and evaluated as an indicator of normal biological processes, pathogenic processes or pharmacologic responses to a therapeutic intervention. Importantly, biomarkers may allow for the identification of individuals with preclinical AD, those with AD neuropathology but do not yet display clinical symptoms. Identifying individuals in the preclinical stage is particularly critical, as this group will likely have the greatest chance of benefit from targeted therapeutics. Biomarkers may be instrumental not only in the diagnosis of disease cases, but may aid in following disease progression and response to treatment as well. In these capacities, biomarkers will be crucial for the design and evaluation of clinical trials of disease-modifying therapies by helping to reduce sample size, 
reduce trial duration, and evaluate treatment efficacy. Finally, biomarkers are key in advancing our understanding of the pathophysiology of AD, which in turn has important implications for patient diagnosis and treatment. In immunology, an antigen is a molecule capable of inducing an immune response on the part of the host organism, though sometimes antigens can be part of the host itself. In other words, an antigen is any substance that causes an immune system to produce antibodies against it. Each antibody is specifically produced by the immune system to match an antigen after cells in the immune system come into contact with it. This allows a precise identification of the antigen and the initiation of a tailored response. The antibody is said to match the antigen in the sense that it can bind to it thanks to adaptations performed to a region of the antibody. Because of this, many different antibodies can be produced with specificity to bind many different antigens while sharing the same basic structure. In most cases, an antibody can only bind one specific antigen. In some instances, however, antibodies may bind more than one antigen. An antigen is a molecule that binds to ag-specific receptors, but cannot necessarily induce an immune response in the body by itself. Antigens are usually peptides, polysaccharides or lipids. In general, molecules other than peptides, saccharides and lipids, qualify as antigens but not as immunogens, since they cannot elicit an immune response on their own. Furthermore, for a peptide to induce an immune response, activation of T-cells by antigen-presenting cells, it must be a large enough size, since peptides too small will also not elicit an immune response. The term antigen originally described a structural molecule that binds specifically to an antibody. It expanded to refer to any molecule or linear molecular fragments that can be recognized by highly variable antigen receptors, B-cell receptor or T-cell receptor, of the adaptive immune system. The antigen may originate from within the body. Self-antigen or from the external environment, non-self. The immune system usually does not react to self-antigens under normal homeostatic conditions due to negative selection of T-cells in the thymus and is supposed to identify and attack only non-self-invaders from the outside world or modified harmful substances present in the body under distressed conditions. Antigen-presenting cells present antigens in the form of peptides on Histocompatibility compatibility molecules. The T cells of the adaptive immune system recognize the antigens. Depending on the antigen and the type of the histocompatibility compatibility molecule, different types of T cells are activated. For T cell receptor (TCR) recognition, the peptide must be processed into small fragments inside the cell and presented by a major histocompatibility complex (MHC). The antigen cannot elicit the immune response without the help of an immunologic adjuvant. Similarly, the adjuvant component of vaccines plays an essential role in the activation of the innate immune system. An immunogen is a substance, or duct, that is able to trigger a humoral 
innate, and or cell-mediated immune response. It first initiates an innate immune response, which then causes the activation of the adaptive immune response. An antigen binds the highly variable amine receptor products, B-cell receptor or T-cell receptor, once these have been generated. All immunogen molecules are also antigens, although the reverse is not true. At the molecular level, an antigen can be characterized by its ability to bind to an antibody's variable FAB region. Different antibodies have the potential to discriminate among specific epitopes present on the antigen surface. A haptin is a small molecule that changes the structure of an antigenic epitope. In order to induce an immune response, it needs to be attached to a large carrier molecule such as a protein. Antigens are usually proteins and polysaccharides, and less frequently, lipids. This includes parts, coats, capsules, cell walls, flagella, fiber, and toxins, of bacteria, viruses, and other microorganisms. Lipids and nucleic acids are antigenic only when combined with proteins and polysaccharides. Non-microbial non-self antigens can include pollen, egg white, and proteins from transplanted tissues and organs or on the surface of transfused blood cells. Vaccines are examples of antigens in an immunogenic form, which are intentionally administered to induce the memory function of adaptive immune system toward the antigens of the pathogen invading the recipient. Paul Ehrlich coined the term antibody, in German antikorper, in his sidechain theory at the end of 19th century. In 1899, Ladislas Deutsch, Laszlo Dieter, 1874-1939, named the hypothetical substances halfway between bacterial constituents and antibody substances immunogens antigens, antigenic or immunogenic substances. He originally believed those substances to be precursors of antibodies, just as zymogen is a precursor of an enzyme. But, by 1903, he understood that an antigen induces the production of immune bodies, antibodies, and wrote that the word antigen is a contraction of antisomatogen, M. Uncorper Bildner. The Oxford English Dictionary indicates that the logical construction should be antibody gen. Epitope, the distinct surface features of an antigen, its antigenic determinant. Antigenic molecules, normally large biological polymers, usually present surface features that can act as points of interaction for specific antibodies. Any such feature constitutes an epitope. Most antigens have the potential to be bound by multiple antibodies, each of which is specific to one of the antigen's epitopes. Using the lock and key metaphor, the antigen can be seen as a string of keys, epitopes, each of which matches a different lock, antibody. Different antibody idiotypes, each have distinctly formed complementarity determining regions. Allergen, a substance capable of causing an allergic reaction. The detrimental reaction may result after exposure via ingestion, inhalation, injection, or contact with skin. Superantigen, a class of antigens that cause nonspecific activation of T-cells, 
resulting in polyclonal T-cell activation and massive cytokine. Release Tolerogen, a substance that invokes a specific immune non-responsive due to its molecular form. If its molecular form is changed, a tolerogen can become an immunogen. Immunoglobulin binding protein, proteins such as protein A, protein G, and protein L that are capable of binding to antibodies at positions outside of the antigen binding site. While antigens are the target of antibodies, immunoglobulin binding proteins attack antibodies. T-dependent antigen, antigens that require the assistance of T-cells to induce the formation of specific antibodies. T-independent antigen, polysaccharides, usually, that stimulate B-cells directly. Immunodominant antigens, antigens that dominate, over all others from A. Pathogen, in their ability to produce an immune response. T-cell responses typically are directed against a relatively few immunodominant epitopes. Although in some cases, infection with the malaria pathogen Plasmodium SBP, it is dispersed over a relatively large number of parasite antigens. Exogenous antigens are antigens that have entered the body from the outside. For example by inhalation, ingestion or injection. The immune system's response to exogenous antigens is often subclinical. By endocytosis or phagocytosis, exogenous antigens are taken into the antigen-presenting cells, APCs, and processed into fragments. APCs then present the fragments to T. Helper cells, CD4+, by the use of class II histocompatibility molecules on their surface. Some T cells are specific for the peptide MHC complex. They become activated and start to secrete cytokines, substances that activate cytotoxic T lymphocytes, CTL, antibody secreting B cells, macrophages and other particles. Some antigens start out as exogenous, and later become endogenous, for example, intracellular viruses. Intracellular antigens can be returned to circulation upon the destruction of the infected cell. Endogenous antigens are generated within normal cells as a result of normal cell metabolism, or because of viral or intracellular bacterial infection. The fragments are then presented on the cell surface in the complex with MHC class I molecules. If activated cytotoxic CD8 plus T cells recognize them, the T cells secrete various toxins that cause the lysis or apoptosis of the infected cell. In order to keep the cytotoxic cells from killing cells just for presenting self-proteins, the cytotoxic cells, self-reactive T cells, are deleted as a result of tolerance, negative selection. Endogenous antigens include synogenic, heterologous, autologous and idiotypic orologenic, homologous antigens. An autoantigen is usually a normal protein or protein complex, and sometimes DNA or RNA, that is recognized by the immune system of patients suffering from a specific autoimmune disease. These antigens should not be, under normal conditions, the target of the immune system, but their associated T-cells are not deleted and instead attack. 
Neoantigens are those that are entirely absent from the normal human genome. As compared with non-mutated self-antigens, neoantigens are of relevance to tumor control, as the quality of the T-cell pool that is available for these antigens is not affected by central T-cell tolerance. Technology 2. Systematically analyzed T-cell reactivity against neoantigens became available only recently. For virus-associated tumors, such as cervical cancer and a subset of head and neck cancers, epidopes derived from viral open reading frames contribute to the pool of neoantigens. Tumor antigens are those antigens that are presented by MHC class I or MHC class II molecules on the surface of tumor cells. Antigens found only on such cells are called tumor-specific antigens (DSAs) and generally result from a tumor-specific mutation. More common are antigens that are presented by tumor cells and normal cells, called tumor-associated antigens, TAS. Cytotoxic T. Lymphocytes that recognize these antigens may be able to destroy tumor cells. Tumor antigens can appear on the surface of the tumor in the form of, for example, a mutated receptor, in which case they are recognized by B cells. For human tumors without a viral etiology, novel peptides, neoepidopes, are created by tumor specific DNA alterations. A large fraction of human tumor mutations are effectively patient specific. Therefore, neoantigens may also be based on individual tumor genomes. Deep sequencing technologies can identify mutations within the protein coding part of the genome, the exome, and predict potential neoantigens. In mice models, for all novel protein sequences, potential MHC binding peptides were predicted. The resulting set of potential neoantigens was used to assess T-cell reactivity. Exome-based analyses were exploited in a clinical setting, to assess reactivity in patients treated by either tumor-infiltrating lymphocyte, TIL, cell therapy or checkpoint blockade. Neoantigen identification was successful for multiple experimental model systems and human malignancies. The false negative rate of cancer exome sequencing is low, i.e., the majority of neoantigens occur with an exonic sequence with sufficient coverage. However, the vast majority of mutations within expressed genes do not produce neoantigens that are recognized by autologous T cells. As of 2015, mass spectroscopy resolution is insufficient to Exclude many false positives from the pool of peptides that may be presented by MHC molecules. Instead, algorithms are used to identify the most likely candidates. These algorithms consider factors such as the likelihood of proteasomal processing, transport into the endoplasmic reticulum, affinity for the relevant MHC class I lilies and gene expression or protein translation levels. The majority of human neoantigens identified in unbiased screens display a high predicted MHC binding affinity. Minor histocompatibility antigens, a conceptually similar antigen class are also correctly identified by MHC binding algorithms. 
Another potential filter examines whether the mutation is expected to improve MHC binding. The nature of the central TCR exposed residues of MHC bound peptides is associated with peptide immunogenicity. A. Native antigen is an antigen that is not yet processed by NAPC to smaller parts. T cells cannot bind native antigens, but require that they be processed by APCs whereas B cells can be activated by native ones. Antigenic specificity is the ability of the host cells to recognize an antigen specifically as a unique molecular entity and distinguish it from another with exquisite precision. Antigen specificity is due primarily to the side chain conformations of the antigen. It is measurable and need not be linear or of a rate-limited step or equation. The third and final line of defense is the immune response. The invading microbe or pathogen is called an antigen. It is regarded as a threat by the immune system and is capable of stimulating an immune response. Antigens are proteins that are found on the surface of the pathogen. Antigens are unique to that pathogen. The whooping cough bacterium, for example, will have different antigens on its surface from the TB bacterium. When an antigen enters the body, the immune system produces antibodies against it. Antibodies are always Y-shaped. It is like a battle with the army, antibody, fighting off the invader, antigen. A type of white blood cell called a lymphocyte recognizes the antigen as being foreign and produces antibodies that are specific to that antigen. Each antibody has a unique binding site shape which locks onto the specific shape of the antigen. The antibodies destroy the antigen, pathogen, which is then engulfed and digested by macrophages. White blood cells can also produce chemicals called antitoxins which destroy the toxins, poisons, some bacteria produce when they have invaded the body. Tetanus, diphtheria and scarlet fever are all diseases where the bacteria secrete toxins. Once the invading microbes have been destroyed the immune response winds down. Once a person has had a disease they don't normally catch it again because the body produces memory cells that are specific to that antigen. The memory cells remember the microbe which caused the disease and rapidly make the correct antibody if the body is exposed to infection again. The pathogen is quickly destroyed preventing symptoms of the disease occurring. The Alzheimer's disease biomarkers are neurochemical indicators used to assess the risk or presence of the disease. The biomarkers can be used to diagnose Alzheimer's disease ID, in a very early stage, but they also provide objective and reliable measures of disease progress. It is imperative to diagnose AD disease as soon as possible, because neuropathologic changes of AD precede the symptoms by years. It is well known that beta amyloid, a beta, is a good indicator of AD disease, which has facilitated doctors to accurately pre-diagnose cases of AD disease. When a beta peptide is released by proteolytic Cleavage of amyloid precursor protein, some A-beta peptides that are solubilized are detected in CSF and blood plasma which makes up peptides a promising 
candidate for biological markers. It has been shown that the beta amyloid biomarker shows 80% or above sensitivity and specificity in distinguishing A. D from dementia. It is believed that beta amyloid as a biomarker will provide a future for diagnosis of AD and eventually treatment of AD, which is the hope of many elderly people. With the ever-increasing population of aged individuals at risk of developing Alzheimer's disease, AD, there is an urgent need for a sensitive, specific, non-invasive, and diagnostic standard. The majority of efforts have focused on autoantibodies against amyloid beta, a beta, protein, both as a potential treatment, and a reliable biomarker of AD pathology. Naturally occurring antibodies against a beta are found in the CSF and plasma of patients with AD, as well as healthy control subjects. To date, differences between diseased and control subjects have been highly variable. However, some of the antibody will be in preformed antigen antibody complexes and the extent and nature of such complexes may provide a potential explanation for the variable results reported in human studies. Thus, measuring total amounts of antigen or antibody following unmasking is critical. Here, using a technique for dissociating antibody antigen complexes, we found significant differences in serum antibodies to a beta between AD and age-matched control subjects. While the current study demonstrates the relevance of measuring total antibody bound and unbound against a beta in AD, this technique may be applicable to diseases such as acquired immune deficiency syndrome and hepatitis B where determination of antigen and antibody levels are important for disease diagnosis and assessing disease progression. An immunohistological study of Alzheimer's brains was performed using antibodies to C-series gangliosides and microtubule-associated protein 5, MAP5, and their staining patterns were compared with those of antibodies to tau and beta-amyloid precursor protein. Antibodies to C-series gangliosides and MAP5, both of which are known to Referentially expressed in the fetal brains, immunostain dystrophic neurites of senile plaques, neurofibrary tangles and neuropal threads, abundant in third and fifth layers in the cerebral cortex, all of which are considered to be pathological hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease. The immunostaining patterns of these structures by antibodies to C-series gangliosides and MAP5 were similar to those by the antibody to tell. These three antibodies also immunostain some neurons in Alzheimer's brain, although their staining patterns were slightly different from one another, both diffuse and granular patterns were seen by the antibody to tell, but only granular pattern by the antibodies to C-series gangliosides and MAP5. These neurons immunostained by these three types of antibodies appeared to be the precursors of the classical neurofibrary tangles, as positively stained neurons were not seen in the brains of non-demented cases. The presence of fetal antigens, such as the C-series gangliosides and MAP5 in Alzheimer's brain may suggest that regeneration or sprouting of neurons is ongoing in association with the 
Reinduction of gene expression characteristic for the brain in the early stage of development. Immune system associated markers have recently been reported in Alzheimer's disease, ID, brain. However, previous studies have not consistently revealed these antigens in the central nervous system. Immunohistochemistry of HLA doctor and other immune antigens, CD4, IL2R, NAD. Cortical tissue is compared using paraformaldehyde fixed versus snap frozen. Unfixed tissue. In addition, a free floating immunohistochemistry method was contrasted with an on slide procedure. Even with an HLA doctor antibody known to work well on fixed tissue, unfixed tissue gave superior results. Free floating. Immunohistochemistry also increased sensitivity. Where morphologic Considerations are paramount, brief fixation with free-floating methods provides a reasonable alternative. Pathology consistent with that observed in Alzheimer's disease, ID, has previously been documented following intranasal infection of normal wild type. Mice with chlamydia pneumoniae, CPN, isolated from an AD brain. In the current study, BALB, Sea mice were internationally infected with a laboratory strain of CPN, AR39, and brain and olfactory bulbs were obtained at 1 to 4 months post-infection, by immunohistochemistry for amyloid beta or CPN antigens was performed on sections from brains of infected or mock-infected mice. Chlamydia-specific immunolabeling was identified in olfactory bulb tissues and in cerebrum of AR39 infected mice, the CPN specific labeling was most prominent at one month pi, and the greatest burden of amyloid deposition was noted at two months pi, whereas both decreased at three and four months. Viable CPN was recovered from olfactory bulbs of three of three experimentally infected mice at one and three months pi, and in two of three mice at four months pi. In contrast, in cortical tissues of infected mice at 1 and 4 months pi no viable organism was obtained. At 3 months pi, only one of three mice had a measurable burden of viable CPN from the cortical tissues. Mock infected mice, 0 of 3, had no detectable CPN in either olfactory bulbs or cortical tissues. These data indicate that the AR39 Isolate of CPN establishes a limited infection predominantly in the olfactory bulbs of BALB, C mice. Although infection with the laboratory strain of CPN promotes deposition of amyloid beta, this appears to resolve following reduction of the CPN antigen burden over time. Our data suggests that infection with the AR39 laboratory isolate of CPN results in a different course of amyloid beta deposition and ultimate resolution than that observed following infection with a human AD brain CPN isolate. These data further support that there may be differences, possibly in virulence factors, between CPN isolates in the generation of sustainable AD pathology. Alzheimer's disease, ID, is the most common dementia in the U.S., accounting for 50 to 70 percent of cases. More than 5 million Americans are living with a diagnosis of 
AD as of 2013 with 90-95% of cases in the 65 and older segment of the population. Early stage of disease involves memory impairment, Fargo and Blaler in 2014. In the advanced stages of AD, individuals require assistance with daily activities and, ultimately, in the final stage become bedbound and are reliant on around-the-clock care, Hebert in 2003. AD is a fatal disorder with the progression from the earliest symptoms to total functional dependency and death in an untreated person often occurring within 8 to 10 years post-diagnosis. Alzheimer's disease, AD, is the most common human neurodegenerative disease, leading to progressive cognitive decline and eventually death. The prevailing paradigm on the pathogenesis of AD is that abnormally folded proteins accumulate in specific brain areas and lead to neuronal loss via apoptosis. In recent years it has become evident that an inflammatory and possibly autoimmune component exists in AD. Moreover, recent data demonstrate that immunization with amyloid peptide is therapeutically effective in AD. The nature of CNSIGs that are the target of immune attack in AD is unknown. To identify potential autoantigens in AD, we tested SARA. IGABS of AD patients in immunoblots against brain and other tissue lysates. We identified a 42K to bend in brain lysates that was detected with 50% of 45. AAD SARA. The band was identified by mass spectrometry to be aldolase A. Western blotting with aldolase using patient SARA demonstrated a band of identical size. The AB reactivity was verified with releases using aldolase. 1. Of 25 elderly control patients and 3 of 30 multiple sclerosis patients showed similar reactivity, P0.002. In enzymatic assays, anti-aldolase positive SARA were found to inhibit the enzyme's activity, and the presence of the substrate, fructose. 1,6-diphosphate, enhanced ab binding. Immunization of rats and mice with Aldolase incomplete Freund's adjuvant was not pathogenic. These findings reveal an autoimmune component in AD. Point at aldolase as a common autoantigen in this disease, and suggest a new target for potential immune modulation. The Journal of Immunology, 2005 Alzheimer's disease, ID, is the most common human neurodegenerative disease, leading to progressive decline in cognitive functions and death. As life expectancy increases, the incidence of AD and the healthcare expenditures for patients suffering from this incurable disease are increasing in Western societies. In the USA 10 million people suffer from AD, generating an annual cost of $141 billion. AD combines with stroke as the third most common cause of death in the U.S. The accepted paradigm for AD pathogenesis was that abnormally folded proteins, mainly amyloid, accumulate in the CNS and lead to progressive neuronal loss, particularly in the cortex and hippocampus. This manifests clinically as a relentless deterioration in cognitive functions. In recent years, it has become evident that local inflammation is important in AD and 
and other neurodegenerative diseases such as Parkinson's disease and prion. Disease. Pathologically, immune system components, ABS, complement, and T. Cells, have been detected in the brains of AD patients. Recently, patients with AD were found to manifest T-cell reactivity to amyloid peptide and ABS, to gliofibroaryacetic protein, GFAP, and to other selected autoantigens. Other studies have detected ABS against unschnitterized AGs in the choroid plexus, ABS to microglial cells, and ABS to myelin basic protein. Epidemiological studies have linked anti-inflammatory therapy to a lower Incidence of AD Moreover, recent work in animal models of AD have shown that the immune system can be recruited to clear amyloid deposits by active immunization to amyloid or by passive transfer of ABS to amyloid. These experimental results and the lack of any disease-modifying treatment for this devastating illness have prompted clinical trials of amyloid immunization in AD patients. However, the human study of amyloid vaccination was stopped prematurely because some of the patients developed meningoencephalitis, possibly as a result of the induction of autoimmunity. A recent study in mice reported autoimmune encephalomyelitis after immunization with amyloid peptide. Thus, we need to find new CNS drugs that can be used safely for immune intervention in patients with AD without risking autoimmune CNS attack. Immune mechanisms are part of the pathogenesis of AD and provide a window of opportunity in the design of therapy. In the present study, we used immunoblotting with AD sera and identified aldolase as a major autoantigen in AD patients. Ask your doctor.